You know, there are some things I think every family uh, has, some unique to you that look forward to at Thanksgiving, uh, traditions that we don't want to miss. One of them is that we enjoy is watching New York City's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, that begins on 77th Street and Central Park West at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, another thing we enjoy is watching a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Uh, I love when they sing over the river and through the woods to grandma's house we go and then Charlie Brown woefully says, well there's just one thing wrong with that, my grandmother lives in a condominium. You know? um, one of the many Thanksgiving traditions we have is uh, breaking the turkey for Kula or the wishbone. Uh, how many of you do that? I'm just curious. You know, whoever gets the bigger piece right, you get to make a wish. Uh, every year at Thanksgiving, the President of the United States pardons a turkey. And I'll let you insert your own joke at that line. Um, but then also we enjoy the, in the NFL the Detroit Lions, right, and the Dallas Cowboys have been Thanksgiving staples. It is a time of memories and a time of family, a time of lifestyle. You know, I love the story about the large dog that, that walked into the book butcher shop carrying a purse in its mouth. And he sets the purse down on the counter and he sits in front of the meat case and the, the butcher jokingly says, what is it, boy? You want to buy some meat? Woof, the dog said. Uh, well, what kind of meat? Would you like liver? Bacon? Steak? Woof, woof. Yeah, you want some steak? All right. How much steak do you want? Half a pound? Uh, uh, three quarters of a pound? Full pound? Woof! You want a pound? All right. And so he looks into the, the purse that the dog has dropped there, and there's cash there. So he goes ahead and he cuts the steak, puts it in the purse. The dog picks it up, and, and he leaves, and he thinks, I'm going to follow this crazy dog. And he does, and the dog enters an apartment building, goes up to the third floor, and begins scratching on a door. And with that, the door opens and an angry owner starts to just yell at this dog. And the butcher says, hold on there, buddy. Stop a minute. That's the most intelligent animal I have ever seen. Intelligent, the man said. This is the third time this week he's forgotten his key. <clears throat> he wasn't that thankful. Now contrast that to the story of Pam. Pam works in downtown Chicago, and every morning she goes past and encounters a heavy-set, middle-aged woman in a shabby coat that is just soliciting spare change in front of an old brick church. She greets everyone with a smile and a pleasant good morning, and Pam consistently always gives her the change in her pocket. Almost all, all the time this would be the routine until one day the lady in the shabby coat disappeared, and Pam wondered what had happened to her. And then one beautiful day, she was back again out in front of the church, still wearing the same shabby coat. Pam reached into her purse to take out some spare change for her usual donation, and the woman stopped her. She said, no, no, I just want to thank you for helping me all those days. She said, you won't see me again because I've got a job. And with that, she reached into a bag and she handed Pam a wrapped package She'd been standing at her old spot just waiting for everyone who had who'd given her a handout, everyone that had helped her, to recognize them with a little bit of gratitude for all that they'd given to her. And in that package was just a simply wrapped donut. But she had to express how thankful she was. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, is one of my favorite encounters in the life of our Savior. And it says this, 
On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want to share with you some truths I think we can learn this morning from this encounter with these ten lepers so that you and I don't miss Thanksgiving this year. The first thing I want you to catch is this. We need to be thankful even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that kind of thankfulness in our life is simply faith, like the young people spoke about this morning. Sometimes I think we read through accounts like this in the life of Christ a little too quickly. And if we just slow it down, picture it with me if you would. We start with ten men who have the worst known disease of their day. The physical ramifications of having leprosy are, are literally horrendous. It attacks the body, it leaves sores, it leads to missing fingers, missing toes, damaged limbs. It takes away the vision, the sight of the person. In many cases, that initial pain of leprosy will give way to something more mysteriously terrible than the pain. And that is the loss of any sensation in the nerve endings. And that leads to more injury and damage to body parts. The disease itself isn't quick either. It can take 30 years for leprosy to run its course. And in that time span, appendages can simply fall off. It's most assuredly a horrible disease. And it's impossible nearly for us to imagine 2,000 years ago without the medical care we have today what it was like for these 10 men. Beth Moore is a great Christian author, and she wrote a book entitled Jesus, the One and Only. And she talks about visiting a modern-day leper colony once. Something within her had always wanted to go and do a Bible study or lead a lesson at a leper colony. And she took a trip overseas, and she had her first opportunity to even get close to one of these colonies. She walked by the entrance to it three times. As she glanced in the entrance, she saw those who were suffering. And she begged herself for a chance to go inside. But she couldn't stir up the courage or the boldness to. And the reason was that the smells coming out of the leprosarium just overwhelmed her. She couldn't work up the stomach to go inside the colony. And so she left, not able to go inside. And I think we gain a new appreciation of how bad these men's condition must have been in the days of Christ. It's not just a grotesquely damaging disease. It's not just a disease that attacks our sight. It wasn't just the loud cries, the attack to our hearing. It was the smell of decaying and rotting flesh. The emotional pain that the lepers felt, though, would have been even more unendurable to me. They would be removed from their family, removed from the community. 
They could have no contact whatsoever with their children. If they were older, they could never see their grandchildren. Their wives or husbands would never be allowed to kiss them goodbye, and they wouldn't want that for fear that they too would contract this awful disease. And these lepers tended to band together, and they would roam looking for food together, begging for assistance. And they would do that from a great distance, yelling in loud voices, both from the need to warn others and simply out of the distress and the agony they lived in. What would it be like to be plucked up from the midst of your family today, from your siblings, from your parents, removed from from your workplace, from the place of worship for a lifetime, and be forced to remember that removal on a daily basis? Friends, it must have been horrible, and yet in this account, these ten men encounter the one who can change everything. And a most unusual statement comes to them from Jesus. They, they cry out, Lord, have pity on us. And what does Jesus say to them as we read? He said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, now, now the, the priest would be the one who would remove them from their family. They were the ones that not only led their, their worship every Sabbath at the temple, they, they were the doorkeepers, literally, of worship and of homes. And they were the doctors of the day that would look and inspect the person from head to toe. And they had a very strict uh, order of which they were to, to look at things to proclaim a person clean or leprous. But at the moment they said no, you could never go back. And now Jesus wants them to go back to those men that kicked them out of the life that they knew, and they looked down at their bodies. The hands of one man were still mangled. Another looks down at his legs, still bound in a bandage right at the knee with nothing beneath. One of them looks at his skin, still in ragged shards. Nothing had changed. Each one of them in the presence of Jesus found themselves just as repulsive as ever. In other words, they were no better off for being there in that moment than they were moments earlier when they'd first spotted this famous teacher. And yet, because he said so, they went off in search of the priest. And on their way, the Bible said they were healed. Now, I can't imagine what that was like either, on the way for a hand to appear and tingle with life for a crutch to get caught on a bandage or on a filthy rag and and fall to the ground. The leg that was back, healthy, whole, incomplete, skin clear, and the tiny hairs of the forearm tingling and turning from snow white to brown or black. And one turned to the other and looked at the rest, and the screaming and the, the celebration started on the road. Smiles broke into cheering and sweet elation, and they raced off in the distance, not believing. My nightmare of a life is finally over. But in order for that miracle to happen, they had to start walking in faith before the circumstances were changed. Friends, is there a more potent lesson for us this Thanksgiving week? We can't wait until our problems are all solved or our problems are over to start walking in faith. Haven't you learned in your life you can't put conditions on a holy God? You can't say, Lord, as soon as my bank account reaches this point, as soon as I have enough money, then I'll follow your instructions. 
You, pray, you can't pray, Lord, if you'll just solve this issue in my family, if you'll just restore my marriage, Lord, I'll start to go to church. We don't put conditions on God, but God places a demand of faith on us before anything has changed at all. And some of us have some circumstances that they're just they're hard to live and accept with. Paul talked about those circumstances in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He talked about a thorn in his flesh that he continually prayed, God, just take it away. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he ended up saying this, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Because when I am weak, then I'm strong. And friends, God might say, love me despite the disease. Obi obey me despite the lack of talent. Obey me despite the lack of resources through your work. Follow me now despite the depression's weight in your heart. Say no to temptation while it's still difficult. Praise me in the darkest of night, in the worst of circumstance, and you'll see your healing come. Friends, that's the nature of a God that loves us so much. He gives us the opportunity to be thankful when nothing about our circumstances appear to be motivating us to give thanks. And sometimes isn't that the very definition of thanks? To praise God not only on the good days, but to praise Him on, on, on the bad days as well. Because if we only praised Him in the best of circumstances, it really wouldn't be faith at all. And we're commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some of you, friends, as a minister, I know you're in some horrible circumstances right now. And what, what awaits you today the phone call that may come this week or, or next month is forcing the question, are you going to be faithful despite the difficult circumstance? He was on a short-term missions trip in 1996. Pastor Jack Hinton from New Bern, North Carolina was leading a worship service at a leprosy colony on the island of Tobango. It was time for one more song, and he asked if anyone had a special request. And there was a woman there in the group that had had her back to him the whole time he preached. Don't get any ideas, okay? But when he asked for a request, she turned around and he said, honestly, it was the most hideous face I had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had taken her lips as well. And she lifted a fingerless hand in the air and she said, I have a request. Can we sing Count Your Many Blessings? And he was overcome with emotion and he had to leave the service. And a team member followed him out and he said, Jack, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. And he said, yes, I will. I'll just never sing it the same way again. Friends, one of my favorite verses that gives me peace and I share with you this morning is Philippians 4, 6. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And God is always faithful to hear, to lift us up. And as you thank God for every situation, the second thing, you can also be thankful in the work of God's goodness. Be thankful in the work of God's goodness. That kind of thankfulness is an expression of worship. One out of ten came back to thank Jesus. He was thankful and did you notice he was public about it? He was loud. Okay, He wasn't shy at all. And I, and I wonder why was he so loud? Maybe it's because for their existence they had to be loud to warn people not to come close. Hey, you don't want to know me. You don't want to come close to me. Not only do I have issues, I've got issues. I've got leprosy and they had to be loud. And I don't know how long he'd had it before he came to the Lord. I don't even know if he remembered what it was like to have a quiet, normal voice. But he came back and he fell at the feet of Jesus. He was just louder than the normal person praising God. And I want to give you a quick application of this this morning. To be sure, take time this week to acknowledge the goodness of God. Be sure to actually be thankful. Hold hands around your Thanksgiving table. Gather up the group that you're sitting with this morning in worship or, or in your Sunday school class or your home care group. Grab hands around the table and, and just take that opportunity to worship God this week. And if I can suggest to you, be loud about it. I love how throughout the Bible we see people lose their inhibition when they come to God. I caught three glimpses this week as I was going through the Bible. One is in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20:19, where it says, Then some stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And in Jesus' day in Luke 19, when he came near the place where the road goes down from the Mount of Olives, the whole group of disciples, they began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. We better learn how to use our voices and speak with, with loudness because one day we're going to be caught up in that great rush as John looked into heaven and he saw in Revelation 5.12 a multitude who with a loud voice were proclaiming, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Friends, don't miss the opportunity to get loud about your love for Jesus and worship God this week. I mean, you can miss Thanksgiving so easily. This is going to be a short week for most folks, which means you're going to have a horribly busy one, two, or three days. Ladies, if you're cooking at home, you know you're going to spend a lot of time getting ready to prepare a meal for which maybe you won't even get a thank you for all the hard work you put in. Some of you guys, you're going to have some honeydew chores and you're going to start to tick those off on this long weekend that you're going to have. Some of you have tasks at church. Some of you, you've already made plans for Black Friday and you're going to go Christmas shopping in the insanity that becomes Black Friday. Some of you, you've got to get to the grocery store. You've got, got to get the kids dressed. got to get them to family. Some of you, you're going to be calling the turkey helpline once again. How do I, how do I cook this thing, you know? It's a holiday week and it's possible to get so busy you go all the way through Thanksgiving without giving thanks to God even once. Don't miss it. Number three, make sure your thankfulness leads to action. 
Make sure your thankfulness leads to action. One of my favorite uh, quotes from Paul in Galatians says this, Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. One leper came back. He caught himself, I think, in the midst of celebration. He reversed his steps. His family could wait. The kiss of his wife could wait. The holding his children could wait. Putting the priest on hold, he came back in cause of celebration. His response and his life were unique. But in the simplest sense of what he did, his thankfulness led to action. And it turned out to be so important. And Jesus asked, where are the other nine? Do you realize what that means? Now Jesus had told them all, go and show yourself to the priest. He never commanded any of them, make sure you come back and, and say thanks to me for what I've done. But it was expected. My question is for you this morning, you know, the closer we get to our Lord and Savior, the more we know His, eter His eternal word, the clearer His Holy Spirit speaks to us within our heart and our conscience. We know that God is, He's leading us to take some action step. For some of you this morning, He's been tugging at your heart to take a huge step of faith. For some of you, there's a family member, there's a friend, there's a stranger that needs some help this Thanksgiving season. Well, is there something you feel compelled to do? You see, I want it to be said about me and each of you the way it was said about Moses in Acts 7.22, where it says Moses, the one who always thought that he stuttered and didn't speak well, the truth was, it says Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speech and action. My best advice for you this morning, based upon what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, is friends, take that step of action. Let God pull you to that area to get it done. Otherwise, a prayer over the Thanksgiving meal will last about as long as the sensation of fullness after the meal. You know, I, I don't know about you, but no matter how full we get on Thanksgiving at, at our house, on Thanksgiving Thursday, we always manage to eat well on Friday. Shouldn't our spirit of thankfulness last longer than that? We need to get this done as believers. Paul said in Romans 12, 9, Love has to be sincere. So hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. And here's the last thing, number four. A lifestyle of thankfulness, it really is a lifestyle of wellness. One of the sweetest realities of Scripture, friends, no matter how you hurt, emotionally, physically, intellectually or spiritually, Psalm 147.3 says this, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Whether you cause them, whether other people that you trusted in your life cause them, God can bind them up. Look at the scripture again with me in, in, in Luke 17. There are three different words that are used in this very short passage that talks about how this one-time leper was healed. The first comes in verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw, he was healed. And if you stop there, the word there is the word in Greek, haetha. It's a medical term. It means to mend, to repair like a bone that is set and is healing or patched up. The second time is in verse 17, when Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? 
Now that word is not hiatha. That word is katharizo. It's the word from which we get catharsis or catheter. It's, it's the word for like an angioplasty when the doctor puts that small thing in your heart to open it up or to see if there's blockage there. It literally means all ten were cleansed. They, the, the blockage of their life physically and spiritually was removed. To be cleansed is exactly what the priest would be looking for. But when Jesus heals, he doesn't just mend the bone. He doesn't just cleanse the body. There's one more word, and it's in verse 19. When Jesus said to this one man who returned, rise and go because your faith has made you well. The phrase made you well is is a different word. It's not a medical word necessarily, but it is used to describe the safe delivery of a baby. It's the word sozo, which is the Greek word for saved. The Greeks used it for anyone escaping a dangerous situation. When a sailor survived a dangerous and a deadly sea, a storm at sea, it was said they were sozo. When Matthew begins his gospel, he starts with the Christmas story. And he tells the story of an angel giving to Joseph the name of Christ because Jesus would be sozo. He would save people from their sins. He would sozo the people. When Paul described what would happen to a person who publicly professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, he used the same word too. In Romans 10, 9, he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozo, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. And Jesus said, This one man was very thankful and willing to follow God even before his circumstances changed. He was willing to return and worship Jesus before he returned home. Jesus pronounces, you're not just healed. You're healed completely through and through from the inside out. And this man understood. What I want to ask you this morning is do you understand? See, in my life, I want to understand more and more about our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember the priest had to make a declaration that the leper had been healed? There were great details involved in, in that process of what the priest was to look for, how a person with disease was to be readmitted into society and community. But did you know that in all the records of the Old Testament, in 39 books, not one person is naturally healed of leprosy. All the, all the details. Now, I'm sure that somewhere in that colony, in that culture, somebody probably was, but it wasn't included in Scripture. What was included is every time somebody was healed of leprosy, it was done by a wondrous work of God, and it was rare. Whether it was Moses' sister Miriam, Naaman the Syrian when he was healed of his leprosy, But when you hit the New Testament, friends, Jesus Christ is healing lepers left and right. He heals it like it's nothing more than the common cold, a general sickness in our life. He is Messiah. He is Christ, Emmanuel, that we will celebrate this holiday coming. God is not only with you, friends, God is for you. 
And God heals lepers still today. Exodus 15.26 proclaimed, I'm the Lord who heals you. And Jesus, who was healing lepers in the very power of God, heals us today. Let me close this morning with one more image of that great love. It's of another leper in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. Jesus was approached by another leper who stopped at the required distance, but he fell on his face before Jesus and he begged for help. The very sight of the man was repulsive. The smell of him was revolting. People gasped and they backed away. Surely some commanded him, clear the roadway. Jesus is coming through. You're in the way. But Matthew writes that Jesus approached the man and he reached out his hand and he touched him. And a moment later, he tells us that Jesus spoke the words, rise and be clean. He lifted the man up. Go and show yourself to the priest. See, the, the miracle of healing the leprosy was just as great as the miracle of someone who would reach out and touch one who was an untouchable. Today, probably in this, in this church, in this congregation, you've been touched more in this hour and a half than most lepers were touched in their lifetime. You probably got a handshake sometime during the service. Maybe somebody patted you on the back that was a friend. Maybe you got a hug. I saw some people hugging right outside the door here before I came in to worship, but not this guy. He longed for a loving touch. Somebody that told him he was more than just human trash, more than human garbage, more than he needed water. He needed love. And before he was healed, there was a tremendous risk when Jesus touched him. And I want you to know this morning that no one has scarred you so badly in your past or in your life today that Jesus can't touch you. He is willing to lovingly hold you and restore you. People, no sin has made you untouchable or unlovable because Jesus is willing to call you his friend. He's willing to stand beside you after all, it was his death that paid the penalty of your sin. No fear, no failure in your past has disqualified you. No problem of yours has put your life on hold. No failure has negated his love because the miracle of thanksgiving is Jesus' irresistible and overwhelming love for people like you and me. No exceptions, no qualifications, no doubts. God loves you. And now as the guys come back up to help lead our invitation this morning, I want you to hear the words in Colossians 3.15. It's a command and an invitation to you this morning. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I'm going to ask you to stand with us this morning. And friends, maybe in your heart you've prepared to join this fellowship this morning. And I'm going to have Charlie come and, and stand down front for a moment. If you're ready to make this your church family, your church home, friends, I want you to come as we sing this song. But for some of you this morning, the greatest thank you to offer is simply the acknowledgement, Jesus, you died for me. And the only thing that's been holding my past it's not my struggles. It's not my disappointments. It's, it's 
It's me. I've been holding myself back. But God, there's, there's nothing there to keep me now. I'm, I'm moving aside the obstacle. I'm coming to you, arms open wide, to find your arms open wide for me. And friends, if your need this morning is for salvation, for sozo in Jesus Christ, to have your sins washed away, to be baptized into his beautiful forgiveness, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to come as we sing this invitation song this morning. You come.